Life Audio. One of the things that I think has always been heavy on my heart is the fact that there are some believers that feel that the subject of justice or social justice, I guess, is optional for a believer. And sometimes there's a temptation to think like, oh yeah, that stuff really doesn't have much to do with me. But in all honesty, we serve a God that has a heart for those that are the marginalized of society, the the lost, the hurting, the broken. And when people are in a position where they have been taken advantage of, God takes that very seriously. And so today we're going to be taking a look at God as judge and why it's so important that we as believers take this seriously. I pray this episode is a blessing to you. After a short word from our sponsor, we're going to jump right into it. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our devotional reading through the Psalms with Psalm 82. And if you're just joining us, we are going through one Psalm a day as we are just studying what was essentially the hymn book or the prayer book of Jesus and the disciples. And you can go back to the beginning in our introductory session that talks about all the reasons why we are studying the Psalms. But I pray that this series is a blessing to you. Every Monday, if you want to dive a little bit deeper, I send out an email that has a key verse and a journaling prompt to go along with these episodes. And I find that journaling is a really great way to help get the information from your head and into your heart. And so again, those are free. Those come out every Monday. That's for all the current episodes. If you would like to go back to the beginning and get all the back journal entries, you can get that in the guided Psalms journal. It's only $5. You can find that at shehears.org on the resources page. So again, just some resources to help guide you through the audio devotionals. I'm going to be reading from the NIV starting in verse one. It says, God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. But you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth for all the nations are your inheritance. 
So Psalm 82 is something that we could potentially call a community lament because it talks about the failure of Israel to care for some of the the least of these, the marginalized of the society. And while in one sense it is talking about that, it doesn't fit into the typical category of lament. And so scholars have a hard time categorizing it and it almost has its own kind of rhythm to it. And so I think that's important because um, we're looking at this in terms of the the theological implications, not just as a prayer from, you know, the psalmist, but really what does this have to do with the overall understanding of God and justice? Because what we learn in the psalm is that justice is so important to God that be, it becomes a way to measure our faithfulness to God, how we deal with justice. And so it's something serious that we need to pay attention to. And I think, like I said at the onset, of the episode, sometimes as believers, we don't take this as seriously as we should or as as seriously as God does. And so we have this understanding, we're seeing the themes that God is the true judge of the world. And we also understand that the justice that we see in a society is also measured by the standards of that society. And we can look at the social standing of some of the like what I said, the least of these of of the culture, and we can see where that society values or understands the role that those people play. And you know, you see this come come to play differently in different parts of the world. There are um, you know parts of the world that I serve in where if there is somebody that has maybe special needs or they have some sort of illness, they are put at the very low part of society because those cultures feel that they are cursed and you know in a shame culture it would bring shame upon the family to have somebody that had any kind of issue like that um, in in their involved in their family because it's almost like shame itself could become contagious and. Perhaps it's not even something physical. Sometimes it's an emotional or, um, you know, a circumstantial thing. If somebody is a widow or if somebody has dealt with really hard circumstances, then then a lot of cultures view that as, well, perhaps that person is cursed and we don't want that to rub off on us. You know, in the States, it's a little bit different. We have... Um, you know, we have a tendency to have programs and different kinds of things, school and all sorts of things for, for people that are in some desperate situations. But still, we see pockets of people within the church that are rejected. And I think that's the heart of what I'm going to get after today. What we see in this passage is the spiritual responsibility that we have to minister to the least of these. There's a couple things that I want to point out that I think were tricky or problematic for me until I really studied and understood them. As I'm reading some of this, I, I on one hand, recognize what God's saying and I it resonates with me. But on the other hand, I hit a couple roadblocks because I didn't understand some of the things that it was saying. And so first off, I want to address how um, he refers to God's. And again, I think this is one of those situations where because we are far removed from the cultural background, we don't understand necessarily what's talking about. And so there is something that you would consider um, in the culture in which this was written. So we're talking about ancient Mesopotamia and the ancients. There was a concept of what was called the Great Assembly. 
And so this is an expression that the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, what it would say is it would be an assembly of God or a divine assembly or even like a congregation of God. That's what you would see in the NASB or um, the divine council in the ESV. And so essentially what it is, is Yahweh, who is the God of Israel, is standing in front of this assembly of human being, I'm sorry, of heavenly beings, which in the Old Testament, usually when they refer to heavenly beings, they call them gods lowercase g gods. And so what this is talking about is supernatural beings. In the New Testament and in modern day, what we would say is they were angels or sometimes even demons. It's talking about the assembly. It's a supernatural gathering. And so we see descriptions of this in other places in the Old Testament, specifically in Job chapter one and two, where those beings appear to be having a court, um, holding court. We see that also in first Kings 22. And so it's a Hebrew phrase. And in Job, it, it's literally translating to sons of God. And um, sometimes it's rendered as angels or heavenly beings. But it's this concept of divine counsel that was really well known among Israelites. And even the Canaanite neighbors and in the entire region of Mesopotamia, that was an ancient perspective where if they referred to gods, the God, lowercase g, as part of the divine assembly, the great assembly, they understood it to mean this supernatural assembly that um, that essentially the fate of people was being decided at. So in general, that's what it refers to when it's talking about God's lowercase g. But also that term in the Hebrew could have referred to human authorities and judges. So in this case, it would have been judges and authorities within Israel who were put into office as God's representatives. And essentially what we're talking about in this passage is with in the terms of justice. So it could be judges that were representatives to administer judge, justice on behalf of God. And so they're goal or their role would be to protect the weak and then maintain the freedom of those who could not protect themselves. And so that term does not mean that humans are gods, but that they are God's representatives who may hold earthly power and authority to carry out justice on the behalf of God. And so I want to get that cleared away as we start this passage, because I don't want it to be a hang up for you. It was a hang up for me because I just did not understand it. Like, why are they calling, why is God calling other people gods? We have to look at this dis distinction with the language that sometimes we don't understand if we're just listening to it or we don't recognize there's a difference between big G, lowercase g, and then the context of the ancient background and what they would have understood it to mean. Because remember, while the scriptures were written for us, they were not originally written to us. They were written, this this time frame, this was written to the Israelites. This was written in the time of the Israelites. It was not written to this modern day audience. So we have to recognize the things that they understood as common knowledge, we sometimes overlook if we don't have an understanding. And so that's why I want to point that out. And actually, I think this is a good place to take a break. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll dive into the rest of this passage. Stay tuned. 
So now that we've taken a look uh, at what it means when it's talking about gods, we can kind of understand that it is, again, within this realm of justice and deciding and working on behalf of those that can't speak for themselves. And so a couple of things I want to point out. Um, in verse 1, where it talks about how God presides, that verb presides means to rise up and to remain standing. And so we see this in Isaiah chapter 3, where it presides the Lord is standing to judge his people. And with these Psalms, these are Asaph Psalms, they emphasize God's judgment. And so that sub theme is kind of underscored by this Psalm as the final Psalm in that collection of, of justice Psalms, which is really concerned with Israel's justification and the nations that are recognizing God, whose name is the Lord, and understanding that recognition of um, what we see even in the next Psalm 83, verse 18, when it says, you alone are the most high over all the earth. It's recognizing God as the judge that presides over his creation. And then again, this is where it gets into, it's talking about the great assembly and gods. And I think it's important to point out, um, even in the ancient world, when they would talk about having other gods, so whether you completely don't agree with me and the scholarship's understanding of the great assembly and, and what that terminology means as far as God's little g, um, I, I want to point out that even in terms of perhaps what the surrounding nations would have believed if they were talking about multiple gods, sometimes when you are trying to disprove someone, you kind of play quote unquote devil's advocate and you, you know, speak through maybe the claim that what they're saying is accurate just in order to disqualify them. And so what we see here in Psalm 82 is clearly the writer of, of this Psalm believes that the gods he refers to are no better than humans. And I think even if we're talking about any sort of created beings, the angels are created beings they're not going to be elevated above humanity or above humans. Because when we're talking about uh, even the creation of, of angelic supernatural beings, scripture talks about how they are under the, when it comes to like a rank, they are under the position that humans hold. And so I think that's important to point out because I think sometimes we can get caught up on that and not recognize what this psalm is actually saying in the justice department because we're kind of stuck on this whole issue of God's supernatural beings, divine assembly, and I don't want us to be caught up there. The need for justice on the behalf of humanity is more important than what that is including there. So moving into the justice part of this, in verse 3 it says, defend the weak and the fatherless. And so... In verse 2, what we see is the psalmist is warning the judges of the practices that they're doing that are unjust. And then here in verse 3, he's giving the details and commanding them to do what they have not been doing. And so the weak in in this culture are the marginalized. So it's essentially the small farmers, the various artists that like the carpet weavers and all those kinds of things, the day laborers, the widows, you know, all of those kinds of people, those are who he's talking about as far as the marginalized or the weak. And that is in contrast to the larger ruling class that is the wealthy, the landowners, the ones that 
own the slaves, all of those kinds of things. And so when it's talking about uphold, that's a verb that means to judge fairly because the Torah commanded Israel to not show partiality or favoritism, but the matter at stake is understanding that the poor need justice. And you have to remember too, in that culture, to be rich essentially was equivalent to taking advantage of the poor. Either they did that by taking land, by um, strong-arming them and somehow, by completely, you know, taking by force. It wasn't like it was today where there was a lot of opportunity to just get rich quick. There was a, a big divide between the rich and the poor. And most of the time to be rich, they got that by unscrupulous means. I mean, it, there really was this huge divide there. And so the poor, as you can imagine, they really didn't have the opportunity to speak up for themselves because it was fighting an uphill battle against this rich, powerful, you know, landowners that they were up against. Again, we see that in the next verb in, or the next verse in verse four, it says rescue the weak and the needy. And so that verb is changed. First it was defend and then it was uphold, but now it's rescue. And so that's direction that is given to this leadership because these are the ones that have the power to rescue these ones that are weak and are needy. And then in verse 5, what we're seeing is essentially because justice has failed, there's a moral foundation that should be present in Israel that has caused this earth to be shaken. And I, I think it's important to recognize that the, the moral fabric of what God expects is that there would be somebody speaking out on behalf of the weak and the needy of that culture. That's one of the provisions that, that the law gave us. In verse 7 is here we have the indication where we don't necessarily think that the great assembly that we're talking about is supernatural. Instead, it's more judges that are appointed on behalf of God because it says you will die like mere mortals. And so this is almost a note of sarcasm in the sense that these are judges and rulers that are making decisions as if they were divine. And perhaps it, you know, it's because they were appointed on God's behalf. But despite that, they will die like all of the other mortals, just like Adam, just like all the rest of, of humankind. What we see in this psalm is that justice is one of the things that is heavy on God's heart. And he gives the responsibility of justice to the humans that he has put in positions of power to make those decisions. And as believers, we are his agents that are supposed to be standing in this gap and having this standard of justice. And so we see, of course, the prophets and in the Psalms, we see it, it's focused on social classes and that is the, the heavy concern of Yahweh. But beyond that, for today and throughout the New Testament and even in our lives today, God measures at least partly how well we are carrying out responsibility as his representatives in terms of how well we are doing when it comes to meeting the needs of the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed. And there is really no way to reflect the true character of God if we are not caring for those that God cares for. And I think that is the connection piece that we are missing. I see so many times... Um, churches that have 
beautiful buildings and beautiful programs and beautiful luncheons and beautiful events, but they don't have outreach programs. They're not reaching out to the least of these. And I'm not saying that this has to be some big grand missions trip. I mean, yes, of course, I'm, you know that about me. I'm wholeheartedly in support of missions, but sometimes we fly over the mission field to get to the mission field. And I don't think that we should do missions at the cost of local outreach. And so what does this practically mean if you are not in a church that is having an emphasis on this i think personally you can do that almost every single community has um, low-income housing areas and maybe it's not designated low-income housing but you know where the those people live on that part of town or perhaps there are different groups in your community that you can get involved in soup kitchens or homeless or food pantry there is a measure of our faithfulness as believers that is only measured by the way we care for the poor. And I think that is a theological point that most churches miss. And maybe I shouldn't say most, a lot of churches miss. And so it's not a matter of whether or not we feel called to do that. Essentially, we are called to do that. Scripture makes that very clear. Not only was it on God's heart then, it's on God's heart now. And so if you need some more practical ideas, please reach out to me. I have lots and lots and lots of ideas as I was an outreach pastor for a lot of years. And so this is something that really weighs heavy on my heart. But I want to reread the text now that we've given you those insights to hopefully help you make sense of what God is saying here. Starting in verse 1. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high, but you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth for all the nations are your inheritance. Father God, we thank you that you are a God that that calls us to reach out and speak up on behalf of, of the weak and the needy. God, we thank you that you are a God of justice and that the suffering of the weak and the needy does not go overlooked by you. So whether we are in a season where we are the weak and the needy or we are in a season where we can reach out to help the weak and the needy, God, I pray that even right now you would start to reveal how you want us to intervene, how you want us to act on your behalf. Lord, start to reveal reveal the things in our circle of influence, in our communities, in our towns, in our churches, how we can interact and step in on behalf of what you've called us to do. And God, help us to recognize that there is a measure of our faithfulness that is revealed by how we handle the poor, the oppressed, the weak, the hurting, the broken. Lord, I thank you that you care for those groups of people because so many of us find ourselves in that place. So Lord, we thank you for even the encouragement to know that none of the things that we go through are unseen by you. We thank you and we praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? 
Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about, that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.